to the official podcast of FCS Fans Nation with your hosts, Kyler Neal, Matthew Frazee, and Jamie Williams. FCS Fans Nation. Uh, how you guys doing, man? We are back. It's been a long, long off-season so far. We've already had some classes. We've had some arguments. We've had some bets. But guess what? We're back here with another podcast. And what is Matthew Frazee doing? Hold on. Because we have a special episode for you. For one, you'll see we're all dressed up. We have an exciting thing that we are going to talk about in a little bit. But first, let's just see how everyone's doing this offseason. Maybe we all had some big old job interviews today on a Sunday. I'm not positive, but we're dressed up. We're looking nice. Uh, I, I don't know why any of us have wives, but it is what it is. Matthew Frazee, what what were you pouring in? Oh, my goodness. I have the most amazing drink. Um, this is like $300 stuff. It's called Moscato. Uh, it's very, <laughs> it's very uh, rare. Uh, you can find it at any liquor store for 15 bucks, but it's beautiful. Um, I figured I'd pull out some champagne tonight because this is the Dundies. I mean, Wait, the Dundies. What do you mean? What do you mean? Oh, you... champagne. This is. Oh, no, I can get it. <laughs> Woo! Yes, the We're Dundies. Doing... Matt and um, I did not plan this, by the way, that we each can have champagne. Not at all. Jamie Williams looking at us like um, Jim enthusiasm right now and we have a real michael scott and dwight uh, moment going on for the enthusiasm for the dundies between kyler and i to your question man i am good i'm excited we're just gonna try something unique and fun tonight so i'm excited to see it thanks for thanks for putting it together dude yeah no problem and then um jamie williams man how you been i know you were just playing soccer and doing all that great stuff how have you been buddy no 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 no. The soccer they all dive you know i was oh, playing oh, hockey okay. buddy hockey just... ice hockey that's just you know. that's just hockey or soccer in the winter. Soccer on ice. Yeah, it was a lot tougher. Uh, but you know, <laughs> you know, got back from the game, took a shower, you know, got power aid, time for some little water like normal. I love it. Well, guys, before we get to the the award show that we are going to be doing today, we have to talk about something that happened back in December, right before the national championship game. Matthew Frazee had this beautiful idea that we were going to raise some money for charity. And I said, absolutely not. No one likes charity. We're not raising a penny. So since I didn't think we were going to raise a penny, I decided to do a tattoo for charity where I hate my life from here on out. And you guys have not seen this thing, right? We have not. I, hand to God, no, we have no, not seen it yet. No admin has seen it. We have messaged you we so tried. many times. And you have you've just held firm like, I'm not doing it until the podcast, so this will be a real reaction. I'm pumped. Not doing it until the, the podcast. Now, what do you think I decided to get? Because you guys know me. Am I being vindictive? Am I being just an honest, classy guy? What are your thoughts? I think you got the regular just the Grizz. Oh, I think very possible. I, I think you went I think you went with some sort of bear thing, but I don't think it's anything like where the eagle's pooping on it or like people suggested there's ways yeah. to like get around it because while you are a big BSer and you love to give people trash, you are a true man of like your word. So I, I don't I don't think you went like offensive to the Grizz. I think it's I think it's a real deal. Well, let's see 
the reaction from my guys. Um, I'm going to share this screen. So we are doing it a little bit awkward. So bear with us because we have. Okay, we are sharing. Oh. So, <laughs> so what? What? What are your thoughts? What are your? Um, you know, it's it's actually a decent oh, size. It's right here for those gosh. who cannot see on the thigh, the left thigh there. Oh. Um, that's <laughs> that's me. So um, it's a beautiful white leg. It's winter here. I don't get a lot oh, of sun. It's I and that is a a part of my leg that really. Oh doesn't ever gosh. get shown to public you know normally when i wear shorts even to the beach it's right at the knee so this is a little further north we had to keep it pg though so i um, decided to put it on the far part of my side <laughs> not in the front near the hello thing but yeah i mean uh thoughts thoughts should i get it removed should we do laser what's what's the actual process here dude i i the reaction in your photo is getting me more than the tattoo like it's just you're if you got you guys have ever watched this on youtube it's just so good a man of your word i i jamie's right went with the original grizz and you got some sexy legs man i mean i always knew you're a good looking guy but oh, holy moly it. The Look best, the best was there's this tattoo artist right, right next to my home. He was like the homeowner, or not the homeowner, the the tattoo owner, the shop owner, and he's like, yeah, just letting you know this tattoo. No matter if you scuff it, scrape it, even if like a cat attacks your leg, hundred percent free touch ups whenever you want. I'm like, I'm never touching this thing up. <laughs> like, <laughs> if anything, in ten years it's gonna get removed. But yeah, that's it. You know, I I got it. I I, I did not go with Go Grizz just because I thought that was kind of an dumb even though that was the original bet where it was just going to be script go grizz instead i thought this was actually a better design you know the actual logo itself and it is fairly large like it's it's noticeable if i'm wearing short shorts well the only thing i want to know is did you feel like you turned into a jerk or started like thinking nostalgically about things that happened 25 years ago like they were yesterday or yeah un unfortunately um the very first thing i did was right after I got this tattoo, I called my mom and said, we're coming home. I'm returning. Um, and, and, you know, she laughed. She lied. She didn't actually she got really excited. She thought I was returning home, you know, but nope, I'm going to stay down in here in Texas. We're going to still live in the, the present, not the old past. But I did lose a tooth. So that was a little crazy. Uh, an hour after I got the tattoo, one of my <laughs> teeth just fell out. Have no clue what happened, but it, it's gone. But yeah, guys, that's. That's Drew the tattoo. Yep. Dude, so that's Kelsey just, Hatch is going to hate me. It is what it is. It's just does. amazing. Like just that's phenomenal. I know it just burns your pride, but never forget $15,160. And if you didn't see Kyler and folks, um, some of the money they've gotten because it was so much, it was just posted by them that they're spreading it to other schools and other schools in the area are kicking off their own programs. So That's like cool. it's spreading like wildfire. So um, I know it'll sting every time you step in the shower or wear shorty shorts to see it. But uh, dude, the impact you made just from throwing that up there on social media, you should you should be pretty proud. So that's cool. That's a cool thing, man. Definitely not proud. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't be proud either, but I wouldn't do something stupid like that. But uh, hey, God so bless good. you, buddy. Hey, yeah. You know what? Once cheers, you lose man. enough brain cells, it just nothing's really that dumb anymore. So cheers, guys. <laughs> Hey, we're the ones wearing suits right now on a on a Sunday, ready for an award show that we created, which is Absol awesome, by the way. Absolutely. The award show that we created. So, guys, this is going to be the annual new tradition. 
if it sucks, we're sorry. And then it won't become a tradition. If it doesn't suck, then maybe this will be a tradition and we'll get some input from the page or whatnot. But we decided we're going to do the Dundies. Now, if you're not familiar with the office, like Jamie over here, well, the office, they had an amazing award show and that was Michael Scott. They named it the Dundies and they gave out different awards for different, um, you know, work occasions. So it was like, Nice set of hair. Now we're going to be a little bit more serious than the Dundies because we want to actually give some props to some of these guys. But um, there's going to be a few questions who maybe we have no clue what we're going to chat about. But this is the new Dundies. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to be reading through some different types of nominations. We're going to talk a little bit back and forth, discuss a little bit. And then ultimately, we're going to announce who the winner is. Now, the winner, besides a few of them, have already been voted. So nothing's going to change. We're going to see kind of whose opinions were right, whose opinions were wrong. But without further ado, welcome to the SCS Dundies. The first award. So the first award is basically going to be the FCS storyline of the year. Because this year we had tons of stories. Teams moving up from different conferences. D2 teams coming up to the um, FCS. We had a whole bunch of coaching changes. We had a return to dominance. We had charities. There was just so many different storylines that happened to pop up throughout the FCS this year. And we want to give the award to maybe the ones who took the best type of storylines, or at least the ones that got the most clicks, the most chatting about. So, Jamie Williams, before we announce who the winner was, can you you know name some of the other honorable mentions, if you will? Or what were you hoping that the FCS storyline of the year would be? Well, mine was basically, my thought was basically around all the realignment that took place. Um, obviously, you know, my school has moved up to the Sun Belt. There's been a lot of trepidation around that. But who knows if we had voted another week later, it might have been all the stuff the CAA is actually doing to try to replace us with four teams. Um, but I don't think that's the, the winning vote. Um, Matt or Kyler, any other thoughts about what might have won this award? Yeah, Matt, what... When you're looking at a storyline from what you're remembering throughout this 2021 season, what was some of the biggest storylines that intrigued you? Well, you can name a bunch of them from like the spring season to the fall, the crossover of the graduation. Jamie's example of realignment is huge, especially as like we saw teams go up and some unknown teams we wouldn't think about. Uh, the nominee, though, that I definitely wanted to present was the I put up the HBCU excitement category. That's basically what I called it because. I think on our page, on social media and everywhere, and I think we we felt a little disconnected from HBCU football the way we did with Ivy League football amongst our page and amongst our group, which sucks. That's like, it's like no fun. It's more fun for everybody to be together as a collective. And then Deion Sanders takes the job at JSU, and you have so much more success outside of just JSU. You have FAM who had such a great season and made the playoffs um, South Carolina State stuns JSU and wins the Celebration Bowl. HBCU fan engagement went way up. Um, it went way up amongst like our circles because HBCU attendance and their games and their ratings, they're all better than like the FCS playoffs. They're all better. The attendance stuff is way better than all the other FCS schools. But it was cool to see them come in uh, more as a collective with everybody with us. So uh, we love having the HBCU fans. So I put HBCU excitement and almost like return to um, dominance within playoffs and everything else is kind of the overall storyline. That was my promo, but I could see it going anyway, man. I'm excited to see what, what you picked here. Well, 
of course, we, well, how we decided all these votes, guys, just so you're aware of, if there was multiple votes in a single bracket, that team won because there wasn't a lot of us that voted. It was just our, our podcast panelists. So if you don't like who won, who cares? Start your own podcast. Uh, but what happened was if, if there's two votes, of course, out of the three or three votes out of the three, that person automatically won. If we had one where we each pick someone else, what we did is we basically assigned overrides for each individual category. So we did have a lot of similar votes, which was really nice, but then we did have to override some. This unfortunately, or fortunately was one we did not have to override. And like Matt, he, he, he and I both basically said, the HBCUs took the headlines. So what we're going to do is we're just going to share a quick picture of, you know, some of the things that were going around the HBCUs. And then we just want to give a little bit of props and talk about um, maybe some of the other storylines. But of course, the big ones that not um, that everyone knows of Deion Sanders coming to Jackson State. Now, he did come kind of in the spring, right? But it was such a weird season. It's all in the same 2021 year. But Deion Sanders brought so much attention. Then we got to see NCANT. Now it was a pretty bad year from them, but they got to go to the Big South where they thought they were going to be instant contenders in the playoffs, and it was not the not the right year for ANT. But of course, there was other big storylines, attendance, like Matt just said, other huge coaching hires. Jamie, what were some of the other storylines from the HBCUs that really kind of intrigued you throughout the year, um, or what was just your favorite storyline from this year? Well, a couple of them. First. Uh... Again, like Matt said, just props to FAMU for making the playoffs, having a great year. But the, just the fact that some of these schools have been able to pull big-name NFL guys. Now, Hugh Jackson's really the only one with previous head coaching experience of any caliber, but Deion Sanders at Jackson State, that that's going to make noise. Primetime yeah. is exactly what you would expect them to be. Eddie George at Tennessee State um, – I, you know, they had an okay season. It looks like they're, you know, they're trying to make some noise. So the, you know, the atmosphere of what's gone on over the last couple of years, just to see the HBCUs really um, step forward and just have pride in, in why they exist and what they stand for. Uh, it's been great to watch. And I'm looking forward to see uh, A&T and the CAA. I mean, they'll be coming yeah. around close. So I cannot wait to go to a couple games where they're coming up. I hope they bring their band. I hope they bring Amos. I hope they bring T-Roy because I'm going to go, go hang out with those guys. No, it's going to be really exciting to see what type of level the HBCUs, you know, the SWAC, the MEAC, um, all the other schools that are going to the CAA now or still the OVC. It's going to be interesting to see what type of storylines they can occur next year. It only seems like it's going to continue to get bigger every single year. The page is getting blown up with awesome HBCU members. The teams, they're getting fired up. They want to play everyone. So, yeah, congrats to the HBCUs. We, we're all rooting for you here on this podcast. We hope it's only going to continue to get better. And you guys make the FCS so special. You know, some, some people, they don't think you should be in the FCS because some of the conferences don't 100% participate in the playoffs or, you know, send their best teams to the playoffs, what we will. But, guys, the HBCUs, brings a lot of eyes to the FCS. And this year, without a doubt, was probably the biggest storylines from the HBCUs that we've had in a very long time. And yeah, hopefully it just continues because it's only going to build the FCS brand. No, just shout out to South Carolina State on winning the Celebration Bowl. I mean, nobody picked you. So like to get there and then to actually upset JSU, shout out to them. And it was fun to have family in the playoffs. So that was glad, a, that was a master class in coaching by Buddy Poe. Pal, yeah. our, unfortunately, I don't know how to say his name, but gosh, that was phenomenal. Absolutely. Big time win. 
Well, the next award is going to be Best Dressed, the FCS Uniforms of the Year. Now, two of the panelists voted for the same school, different uniforms. I, unfortunately, did not. So here's going to be the difference. What type of schools were you guys hoping for? Or what were some of the top-tier uniforms that you guys saw this year? Oh, I'm going to get some hate for this one because yes, I are. love FAMU's uniforms. And some people hate them, <laughs> especially Lawrence. He's one of our great admins. But I love that orange and green combo, and it gets unique. Now, I hate snakes, but I absolutely love that uniform combo. Um, there was a real sexy, if I recall, Southern Illinois combo this year with, like, all whites. That was just beautiful. But, um, yeah, I mean... And, of course, a team I was really high on was Kennesaw State as well. I always think theirs are really unique. So those were kind of the options rolling through my head. Now, now, Jamie, your school that you're aware of, you know, James Madison, they're always on the, what is it, the the uniform swag competitions on Twitter. That's always around the uni swag. I mean, they always have stellar uniforms. But you did not nominate James Madison. What were some of the other ones that you didn't nominate that you were thinking maybe deserve to be in the award or the criteria? Um, you know, I actually liked from a CAA standpoint, really liked Elon's all whites that they wore when they played us. I thought that was a sharp look, um, not where I went with my vote. Um, I actually kind of liked East Tennessee state that just classic, the blue and, and, and yellow. I thought that was a, just a good combination. It looked good with Quay Holmes running down the field away from everybody every time. But, uh, you know, the, the yellow of Kennesaw state, that, that's a sharp combination and, um, they made it look good um, in most of their games this year. So that's that's kind of where I, I leaned. But but yeah, a couple other ones, I love the Elon. They look very, uh, very crisp. Well, some of my favorites of the year, of course, anything that is all white. I am a big Stormtrooper type of look. So James Madison, whenever they rock those all whites, those are always some of my favorites. But I went in a different direction. NAU, for some reason, I really liked NAU's uniforms across the board. So I actually voted for Northern Arizona, thinking that maybe I could swindle some way and maybe get some other votes uh, that way. But unfortunately, the FCS uniforms of the year go out to Kennesaw State. Now, you guys are the fans. I'm not a fan of this uniform. Um, I, I don't even know which one you guys like, so I just picked a few that we can discuss. But what is it about these Kennesaw State uniforms that just make you really excited or really like what they're putting into play? I like the yellow, and I really liked it. I thought the numbers looked good. I love their helmets. I just thought it's a really clean look, and uh, that was my favorite. But, I mean, that white with the yellow pants is, is sharp. I, I just – every time they hit the field, I, I think they have a good combination. It's just – just looks good on the field. Yeah, I absolutely – Absolutely love what they bring to the table, man. I specifically was going with the alternate alternative gray uniform that they have. Yeah, um, I couldn't find that, but I know exactly what you're talking about. It's that light gray. You got it. Yep. It's almost got like the combo of everything that I like. It has like this digi pattern. So it's almost like military representative, even though it's not, but it kind of looks that way. Plus you have like these little owl wings that are like sleeking back on the helmets. I'm pretty sure it says owls in the center and this really complimentary yellow which jamie pointed out how great the yellow is the yellow just comes off this kind of burnt crisp gray it's almost like a campfire on a uniform it just uh, i don't know it was just really beautiful and slick and then they have the black socks to complement this awesome gray and yellow white face mask bar i i don't know i just really like that look a lot 
And uh, I think it would be easy to go with schools that could do a bunch of multiples, but Kennesaw is still pretty new. So I, I've always liked just their standard yellow and black, like Jamie said, and their alternate really got me this year. So kudos to the Owls. Love the uniforms. Yeah, I'm. you know, I like Kennesaw State. I'm still rooting for you guys. I think the mascot's cool. I just thought there were cooler uniforms out there. But guess what? This is like I said. Sometimes my opinions don't matter. And, you know, two people voted for Kennesaw. I was really shocked by that. So I was the odd man out. So Kennesaw State, you get the 2021 FCS Fans Nation Dundee for the best-dressed team of the 2021 season. Congrats. Now, this is going to be a kind of cool one, and this is going to ruffle a lot of teams' feathers because we have the FCS Fans of the Year. Now, this is dedicated to a full fan base. So here's the deal. We're not going to announce the winner right now. What we're just going to do is talk about some of the other great ones and maybe why they did not win. So you guys already have seen the winner, correct, for this specific one? So I want you to talk about some of the other fan bases that you were thinking of and maybe why they did not get the win. Because I think this was either voted across the board or pretty close to it on this specific one. No, maybe there was one other outsider who did not vote for this team. We won't say who it is. It's one of the three on the panel, though. So you guys take a guess. Um, Matt, so what were some other fan bases that were outstanding this season but just couldn't quite cut it with our winner? You know, before I get to the outstanding, the ones that I have no interest in voting for was North Dakota State. You couldn't even sell at your dome. Passion was, and wow. I don't know where the passion was. Um, James Madison, I heard them talk about the FBS all season. So I'm not giving you my vote. <laughs> not, I have no interest there. So, um, you know, just those big ones, I just have no interest in giving them to. Uh, you know, I obviously really wanted to look into the HBCUs as some options. Um, and then, I don't know, I guess I, as I kind of looked down the entire line, it, I really kind of landed between a few HBCU schools. That's kind of mostly where I was focused on, especially when I wanted to look at the engagement we got from them this year. So that's, that's kind of where I was thinking. Okay. Now, Jamie Williams, what were some of the big fans that did impress you this year that maybe didn't win this award, but what were some of the ones that did impress you? Uh, the f one that stands out outside of the, the winter, uh, definitely Montana State. Um, they had a great year. Uh, they were really engaged on the page all year. Uh, when they started uh, getting hot in the playoffs, the, the, the fan base just really was supporting that team. They were selling out the stadium. And kudos to them. They traveled really well to Frisco. Um, they took up a lot more of that stadium than I would have ever anticipated. So I was really impressed by Montana State. Met a lot of good Montana State fans. Um, of course they were all sour about six minutes into the game. Um, but great fan base, uh, really enjoyed spending some time with some of those guys and just seeing how their page engagement has continued through the summer as well or the off season. Yeah. yeah. If, I, if I can jump in, I, that's, that was pretty much my second one was Montana state just because, um, those fans were so nice. Like they were great to be with. I don't, I, don't, I haven't heard one NDSU fan from the, from a bias standpoint here nobody has come to me and been like oh that was just terrible they were the worst i think the review is basically those were the most fun fans we've been with so montana state bobcat fans you should be proud of your culture of who you are i mean great fans love them well they're lying i mean james madison and eastern washington were better fans to be around um just saying no no montana state honestly they have such an amazing fan base for the fcs uh, they represent themselves well. They're they're fun to be around. If you ever get a chance to go to a game in Bozeman, I know it's far away from you know you guys and and even me now, but 
the game's so fun. There's cowbell. It's a great atmosphere. But sorry, Montana State, you did not win our award. The award for the fans of the year goes to Jackson State. Yeah. I mean, I don't think this one is much as of a surprise. I'm just going to share one quick picture because what they're able to do is extremely impressive for their games. I mean, they can do things that aren't even classics. They can just sell out this bad boy of a stadium. So, Jamie, Matt, I mean, whoever wants to take this, why is this the fan of the year, the fan base of the year, Matthew Frazee? Well, they average over 42,000 fans a game. And if you're going to average over 42,000 fans a game at the FCS level, I think, number one, you should be on the radar for sure. It's not the singular reason. Um, but then the celebration bowl for the allotted tickets that sold out as well. And of course you have to give South Carolina state and other HBCU and FCS fans some credit there, but that was mostly, I would like to venture out and say Jackson state. And then on the bias thing for all three of us on this platform, I know our page numbers skyrocketed Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, because of Jackson state. This was all about the Jackson state tigers this year. I think their fan engagement was great. Glad I gave them my vote. Glad to see them be the winners. So there you go. 42K, tough to beat. Tough to yeah, beat. it's it's impressive seeing a game this type of caliber. I mean, you don't see this at the FCS level. Um, you see some of the classics, of course, the HBCUs. So again, it, it, this is an HBO or HBCU. Um, let's just keep giving them accolades because in, in terms of game atmosphere, in terms of environment, in terms of fan base, you're not going to see a better a better um, conference at all in, in terms of fan engagement than the SWAC. It is very impressive what these guys do um, during the actual game day. And man, we all got to try and figure out a time where we can go to a Jackson state game or something like that. I mean, I live real close to a few like Prairie uh, Prairie view and also um, Southern we're close here, Texas Southern. So I can go to a few, but it would be awesome to go to a Jackson Jackson State game, especially right now, as long as Dion's there, there's just some type of hype about it. It's almost surreal, but yeah, hopefully they continue to do a little bit better um, because that celebration bowl was a little bit of a letdown, but the rest of the year was a phenomenal year for Jackson State. Jamie, anything else you want to add to the fan base, the uh, the Dundee of the year for the best fans? No, other than just the fact that it's, you know, seeing them on the page and how passionate they are, you can see why they sell at that stadium. It's just they, they love their team, uh, win, lose, draw. Uh, it, it's hard to argue against this this choice. I think we all as a group made the right choice here. Um, and I'm looking forward to more interaction with, with all of those fans in the future. So in the first three awards, HBCUs have taken two of the three. Are we going to see any more of them or are they done? We're going to find out. We have a few more awards coming up. One of them, of course, is the FCS Newcomer of the Year. Now, this does not have to be a freshman. This is kind of more um, towards the transfer portal, who's coming down to the FCS, who made a big statement maybe that we did not hear from earlier. So what were some of your big picks, or who do you think maybe should have been deserving of this award who maybe didn't get the actual award itself? Jamie, let's start with you. Um, yeah, I was trying to as the way this was phrased was newcomer. So I was trying to find somebody who wasn't necessarily a freshman uh, because obviously we had that as another category. So I, I tried to think about guys who were, were transfers and um, you know, it came in. So, you know, one of the first names that popped in was 
Oladokun as a newcomer to South Dakota State, uh, yeah. but he was also in the FCS. So I, I didn't go that way. Another guy I considered, Jason Shelley, quarterback of Missouri State, coming from Utah State, had a, had a phenomenal year. I think he had like 22 touchdowns, only nine interceptions, and ran for another 10 or so, um, mm-hmm. got that team in the playoffs. Um, so those were a couple of the names I really thought of off the top of my head as I was looking looking into this award yeah no i loved it um you kind of did more of the research than anyone else i don't even think matthew frazy nominated anyone now i don't want to throw him under the bus but that bus has been driving down the road and i just saw an opening and had to you know toss him but yeah so <laughs> do, do you want to use so i combined like i know we're gonna have rookie of the year in the future do you want me to throw my newcomer and rookie here Let, or... let's throw in your newcomer let's say who did you want to vote for where maybe you just didn't get the memo? Okay, yeah. I actually did I did I did have a backup example either way. And honestly, I know like it was a really cool initial storyline because they basically didn't punt, but Ren Hefley out of Presbyterian was kind of one that I had in my mind because he threw 39 touchdown passes. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, if last year he was that efficient or that strong. So when I thought of like newcomer on the scene, I mean you're talking about a guy who finished top 10 in passing touchdowns in the FCS. So out of nowhere, the blue hose. Who would have thought the blue hose quarterback was just going to end up throwing just under 40 touchdown passes? So there you go. I know it's not the winner, but in terms of any recognition, that's totally a newcomer aspect. Well, I'm going to completely throw that one out. And you can call me a hater because out of his, what, 40 touchdowns, 35 of them were versus D2 schools. And the other 84 interceptions he had in 12 touchdowns was versus division one opponents he got absolutely shellacked when he played any division one opponent basically so we are just going to pretend matthew frazy did not announce that and he's still under the bus i feel like phyllis winning the busiest <laughs> beaver award right now yeah you, you you threw out a dwight answer and you know what we're just gonna ignore that dwight answer it would have been good but instead jamie williams and myself we did vote for jason Shelley. so missouri state um, he did have a hell of a season. I mean, Missouri State, the last few years, I mean, I'm not counting the spring, but they've really struggled. Then they have Petrino come in here. They get a new stud quarterback, and they've kind of turned it around. They went to the playoffs. Now, it was a big upset in the first round, but it, what a great game that first game was. But what were some of the other big reasons why you voted for Jason? Uh, it just he led that team. I mean, 32 touchdowns and – he just had a great year. I, I know his completion percentage wasn't great. Um, and only nine interceptions, so less than one a game. So that's that's pretty efficient, at least, if if the um, scoring the touchdowns and getting them into the playoffs. And it just seemed like the, the right way to go a little bit over Oladokun just because he came to the FCS fresh this year. So that was kind of my tiebreaker. Um, I know there were a lot of good um, – options here but that, that's just why i went with shelly just he elevated that program to me yeah and no, when you look at their offensive line it was not great and i i've hit this a bunch all year their interior offensive line was terrible i've never seen an interior offensive line just get completely manhandled back almost every single play and as you know just from the nfl standpoint a quarterback's worst nightmare is defensive tackle up the middle because that's what causes rollout flush you know getting flustered and you're talking about a defense in missouri state that finished 59th overall in total defense in the FCS. So when you drop that statistic in there, suddenly it's like, okay, how did Missouri, Missouri State and the Missouri Valley, which is defensive-centric, how were they able still to win all those games? 
make the playoffs. Now they got upset, but still, um, Jason Shelley's being so mobile, being so agile. He's really kind of the reason. So really good pick by both of you. Yeah, and he Julie, had, well done. I mean, if you think about it, Matt, he had NDSU on the ropes too. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. And if not for maybe a quarterback change and other things, but end of the day, yeah, give him a few, a little bit more protection in that game and Missouri State comes into the dome and probably wins. So that's a good pick by you guys. And uh, he played a lot more D1 teams than the Blue Host quarterback. So. And, and what year was he, Jamie? Uh, I think he. I thought up. I actually pulled him up because I, I needed to look at a couple of things. Uh, he's a junior, so he pl- he played um, as a sophomore at Utah State and played four yeah. games and transferred in. So he's got another year. Cool. So it'll be exciting to see what he can do next year because, of course, we're still new with this Petrino hire. We're still new with a lot of their talent. We're going to see if they continue to elevate. So Jason, the sky's the limit. Let's see what you can do in the Valley next year. But you did win the first. Dundee ever for FCS newcomer of the year. Hopefully, you know, some other beastly transfers that will come down here. They'll get some opportunities. Maybe we have to name this award the Jason Shelley Award. Who knows? But that's our award for newcomer of the year. The next big one. This is the first one where all of us have voted something different. So this is where it's going to be a little bit fun. Now, I don't want to announce the winner yet, right? And so the person who picked the winner... We're going to ignore what he thought right now. We're not going to talk to Jamie Williams because he got to be the overrider for this all. So instead, Matthew Frazee is going to you know, talk about his biggest play of the year. Then I'm going to talk about mine, and then we're going to try and sell it to Jamie. But unfortunately, Jamie already sent the letter to me. He sealed it. We already know who won. So Matt, what do you think was the biggest FCS plays of the year? So ironically, is like what we all picked um, was the three I was thinking of. So like, oh, really? it was just okay. like, what was the order? Like easily, like as soon as you sent the category, I was like, bang, bang, bang. Those plays just hit my head. But the reason I picked the one I did, which was uh, South Dakota's last second Hail Mary catch over SDSU was Dude. because of a few factors. I thought of the the implication to drop. It's always sunny in Philadelphia lines here. Um, the implication of just the fact that that game really put USD in the playoffs. It t- knocked SDSU virtually completely out of seating conversation, forcing them on the road. You know, what do things, how do things happen if South Dakota State maybe hosts a playoff game or two? You never know where they end up in the corners. Do they go to Montana State? And it was just such a huge random play. It got so much sports center attention. It was top 10. It was everywhere. So, and it was a rivalry game. Yeah. So I, I, I had to give the USD touchdown catch last second Hail Mary over SDSU for my play of the year. So, but uh, all three are good options. So yeah, I mean, that was such a fantastic play. I mean, if you were not a Jackrabbit fan, it was the greatest play for a majority of the fan bases in the FCS, right? We all root for the upsets and you know, the, the coyotes, none of us really ever have them on our radar. So it was really cool to see them go play their in-state rival, have this walk off Hail Mary to get in there because without that, like Matt was saying, they probably do not get into the postseason. Correct. Which is yep. Crazy. So that was an amazing play. My play was in the first round of the playoffs, uh, Tennessee State versus Kennesaw. And it's, I mean, you can really talk about a few plays. Instead, I'm just going to talk about the onside kick because what it led to. I mean, what was it? Kennesaw State was up by, what, 14 with just a few minutes left. Every single person would have said this game's over. I think they had like a 99% chance to win. And then all of a sudden, Eastern Tennessee State, 
They score real quick. They get the onside. They were able to drive down again and score. So my pick for the biggest play of the year, which brought Eastern Tennessee State to the second round where they had to go play, I believe it was the Bison. But that was such a phenomenal onside kick because also those are already so rare. I wonder what is more common, an onside kick or a Hail Mary. It's got to be the Hail Mary is more common outcome. I have no clue. You, you tend to see it at least a few times a year. So I thought that was just an awesome play, an awesome final few minutes because, for one, it was in the playoffs as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that was my play. So what we are going to do now, we're going to announce the winner. We are going to show the video of the winner, and then we're going to let Jamie Williams talk about it because he still has nightmares to this day about this play. Um, so, of course, the FCS play of the year was – Talbert when he picks off James Madison let me try and go ahead and share this video I'll put it on my screen so Jamie have fun start talking about this well I mean you, you can see where it is here I mean it's third down Cole Johnson you know gets flushed out and he's trying to throw it away and Talbert just high points it like he's Larry Fitzgerald breaking my heart all at the same time so when I was thinking about what play had the biggest impact on the season. So if Talbert doesn't make this play, we JMU has another play. I mean, yeah. look at just look at the athleticism. And as much as it hurts, I mean, I, I I'll say I went on Twitter and told Talbert how great of a play it was. So mm-hmm. just there is that. But it just at the stakes, the time of the game, the situation, oh. just up one handed the athleticism of the play. How could it be any other play but that one? By the way, Jordan Finkston was supposed to get a shirt of that play. Yeah, we got to get that sign it, and I was going to wear it on the podcast. Jordan, what's up? I guess he's too busy skiing, so I don't blame him. Um, <laughs> hey, but Dustin agreed to sign it too. Um, but, you know, you can't do anything but respect a play like that as much as it hurt. Um, I would have loved to have had a fourth down play and see what would have happened. Um but without that play, NDSU might not be your champion. So I had to I had to go with that. And God bless yeah. him. It hurt. But you just have to tip your cap when something like that happens. Yeah, every now and then you just have to go, oh, my God, and just appreciate the greatness. That That's not what I said. <laughs> no, you, said you said, oh, my God, and then you broke a window. You stormed out of your house. But you said, oh, my God. Um Hey, I was shattered too. I was in a Duke uniform. I was, I was crushed. Yeah, the biggest Duke fan the there. Dome. He was, he was upset. Um, no, that, hell of a play. I mean, the hand coordination. It was a one-handed catch behind his back. You know, reaching all the way behind that thing. That was impressive. So, literally, those were all three of the plays I was thinking of. I'm glad we all three got to decide. But Talbert, you won. You get the play of the year. So. Hats off to you. Um, that was the FCS play of the year. Now we're going to go into a few more. I think what we only have about six, seven more awards in about 20 more minutes. So we're kind of running on perfect time. Now this one is a special teams player of the year. Now here's the deal for this one, because it's a longer video. Let's just each say, I've, this might've been one where we all voted for the same person. Is that correct? Yeah, I think, I think it was. Yeah, okay. this was a so collective. We're not going to talk about anything else. What we're just going to do, I'm going to play who it is, show the winner, and I want you guys to talk about why you chose this gentleman. 
but the FCS Special Teams Player of the Year, Sanford's Montreal, Washington. So let me go ahead and share. Let's just watch some of his highlight. This is a YouTube highlight. So uh, we're just going to watch the most dynamic player. We're going to shout out to this um, YouTube, whoever it is, whoever made this. But yeah, Jamie, why don't you go ahead and start? Yeah, I mean, he's a game changer. Uh, kickoff return or punt return, he can take it to the house anytime. Um, you know, kind of like Devin Hester, you know, somebody like that. Um, number 82 for the Chiefs back in the day. I forgot his name, but you know, oh, I mean, look Dante at this guy. Hall, baby. Dante Hall, that's it. You know who I was talking about. But I mean, just look at this guy, just outrun everybody to the edge, the speed, just it, it, he changes the game for Samford. Um, yeah. Look, this is against Florida, which that game had zero defense oh, in it. I mean, look at those moves. How do you not vote for this? The vision's there's, insane. There's nobody in the screen. They're still zooming out. There are some Gators. Um, so, you know, he's just – he was a very dynamic player. So that, that was an easy vote for me. Yeah, yeah. he had uh, one kickoff return touchdown and two punt return touchdowns. Nobody had more than two kick return or two punt return touchdowns this year. So if you combined his numbers, three total amongst kick return, punt returns, uh, he's right there on top tier. He's obviously tied for punt returns with two. He's number one in combined return yards on kicks and punts by the total yards, which is crazy. Um, Tyson Thompson of Houston Baptist is probably the only guy who was on his heels if you looked at just a stats box. Um, but he eclipses Tyson by 22 yards in terms of return yards for kicks and punts. Um, but he still has that touchdown re return edge over Tyson, which is good. So, I mean, statistically, he holds up. Um, just video and eye test he holds up and uh, he did a lot of special things for Sanford, Sanford this year. So Montreal, Washington, congratulations and a senior, you know, we hope to see big things from you in the future, man. The only yeah, other thing I wanted to say about it real quick is, I mean, if we want to name this one after somebody um, lifetime achievement, I would call it the Rashid Shahid award. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. I did yep. consider him um, just because of what he has been for Weber state, but we can't let this particular category go without mentioning Rashid and his uh, ability to uh, return kicks. No, absolutely. And it, it'll be fun to see because he's such a dynamic player, right? We were just watching some of the highlights, of course. And of course it, it wasn't just special teams. You saw him run the ball. You saw him catch on swing route. You saw him return. I mean, this is such a dynamic player at this level. It'll be exciting to see if he can make it to the next level, but yeah, Montreal, Washington, man, hell of a season. No one wants to kick you the dang ball. So, I mean, the good news is you're done, right? You don't have to worry about someone else at the FCS level kicking you the ball. The whole SOCON, they are very happy. They do not have to game plan and prep against you. But, well, congrats on the special teams player of the year. But the other only one that I was thinking of is just like what Jamie said, Shahid. I mean, he had a phenomenal career, but you got to give it to Montreal, Washington for this specific season only. Now, we're getting towards the end. So here it is, the FCS Rookie of the Year. We had some really good rookies. This one, I think, was either voted across the board, all three, or just two of the three. We'll see. But this dude showed absolute promise. But since we already know who the winner is, let's talk about some of the other great freshmen who maybe deserve some honorable mentions. Matthew Frazee, who's one of your go-tos? Yeah, man. So Josiah Silver, a defensive end freshman out of New Hampshire, was the one that I kind of submitted forward um, in the spring season. He only played in the one game that New Hampshire had, and he had two tackles. So it's like, OK, whatever. Some guy had two tackles. But this year, you know, obviously is the freshman with the carryover term newcomer rookie of the year, if you will. Um, Eleven games had 12 and a half sacks with 80 tackles. I mean, 
defensive end, fierce off the edge. So that's a young guy that New Hampshire can build that defensive line around as they bring in more guys in the recruiting game. So I was really impressed with Silver statistically. Uh, he was fun to watch. He, you know, he didn't have a super porous game against South Dakota State, you know, and uh, helped help them out quite a bit. Sorry, got him mixed up with my other guy I was thinking about from Villanova. Uh, New Hampshire. So yeah, silver defensive end. That's the guy that I was going to put forward. I know he's not our selection tonight, but heck of a season for him. And hopefully he enjoys the shout out. So yeah, absolutely. I put um, Kevin Daniels from NAU. So maybe I just have a love fest with NAU this because I, I gave them, you know, the jerseys. Maybe I just felt bad for them and said they needed to win some type of award. But what I, what I gave, why I gave Kevin Daniels, I mean, he had the most all purpose yards from a freshman. He was, for a lot of the season, NAU's only chance to get down the field. He was their only chance to have some type of life on offense. So that's why I went with him. But, I mean, there was another beast. And Jamie's about to talk about this beast, who not only was one of the, probably the best freshmen in the FCS, but one of the best overall players in the FCS this specific season. Jamie, who did you vote for? Because... After you put down the name, I think all of us kind of agreed that, yep, this should be the freshman of the year. Who did you vote for and why? All right. Uh, before I uh, give the uh, winner or the name I voted for, give a couple of honorable mentions. And I, I do got to give honorable mentions, like Matt said to Josiah Silver. That guy is going to be nominated and potentially win the Buck Buchanan this year or next. Mark it down. It'll happen. Uh, Love your pick, Daniels, with all purpose. Shadir Sanders at... Uh, Jackson State carrying that team. Antoine Wells for JMU played in the spring, so I didn't really consider him. But there was a young man running back, went over 1,000 yards, scored 17 touchdowns for Central Arkansas, Mr. Darius Hale. That guy has a future in front of him. So I I watched him play a couple times. It's very slippery type of running back. Um, I actually voted him number one in my ballot for the Jerry Rice Award. So I stuck to my guns on that. Um, as Kyler throws up the stats, you know, over 1,100 combined yards and 18 total touchdowns at 17 on the ground. That's 199 attempts. Uh, it, that, that's that's well, a freshman, folks. And one of the best things is because at the FCS level, all of your postseason accolades are accrued on your season total. UCA did not make the postseason. This was in a regular season, and that is it. I mean, what a season for a freshman. So when we're talking about not just the best freshman, overall, one of the best players the FCS saw this year. Yeah, Darius Hale, congratulations. Hell of a season. I mean, look out whack or what? No, the A-Sun. Look out A-Sun. I mean, no one wants to face this guy. Um, Hopefully he doesn't transfer in a few years, right? Um, But yeah, what a hell of a season. He is a dangerous, dangerous man with 18 touchdowns. Yeah, 5.1 yards per carry, too, which is just insanity on 199 attempts. Crazy stuff. Congratulations, man. Makes no sense. All right. So we have a few postseason awards, and then we have some nominations that are kind of fun. And then the very end are going to be the full regular season defensive player of the year, offensive player of the year, and FCS MVP from the Dundies. But before we do that, let's talk about the postseason coach of the year. And there was a lot of good coaches that made it into the playoffs this year. You had Brett Vegan, right? First year coach out of Montana state doing a lot of big things. You had Randy Sanders, ETSU bringing their, that team in there. You had 
other coaches like Aaron Best. You had other coaches like James Madison's, right? But who do you guys think was the most deserving of coach of the year? Matthew Frazee, let's maybe start with you. What were some of your nominations you thought? You want me for coach of the year total or just postseason, my man? Just postseason. My this is only a postseason. My bad. Yep, no worries. Uh, postseason, I you know I made it. Um, my my postseason guy was basically the same. And call me biased all you want, but I, I just went with Matt Ants of North Dakota State because of what happened in the spring. Biased. Um, total biased. biased. What is biased is my opinion on coach of the year traditionally. Coach of the year traditionally, in my opinion, is we all thought your team would suck, but you didn't suck. So your coach gets the award. And I'm like, you know, there's something to me about like, if you have expectations, if you have pressure, if you have all these other things and you can overcome other big top tier opponents, that impresses me a lot more. So I just think Matt Entz in terms of NDSU getting bounced in the quarterfinals, multiple losses, turnover, no set quarterback situation, had to make changes. I mean, you lose Christian Watson for the entire playoffs. Uh, That's what the most impressive thing for me is that that offense was still able to be effective. Uh, you know, James Madison coming in there and defeating them in a big time attack and then just running all over Montana State. So I just thought Matt Entz rallied the troops really well in the postseason for an NDSU team that uh, we just heard nonstop was the most vulnerable it's ever been. It's the most vulnerable it's ever been. Well, Coach Entz said, you can call us as vulnerable as you want, but we're just going to run all the way to the end. So sounds biased, but I think Coach Entz did a hell of a job. So that's my that would be my pick. Yeah. Jamie, what, what's your thought? So I went a little off the wall here when you're talking about coach. And we didn't say head coach. We said coach. And Matt, you just heard what Matt said. He talked a lot about offense. And he talked – and that offense is guided by a guy who gets a lot of flack from his fan base, Tyler Rail. Think about the game plans he put together in the last couple games where Hunter Lupke, who uses a fullback the way that they use the fullback. North Dakota State, of course. Rail had great game plans, and it sticks out against James Madison against Montana State. Without Lupke against James Madison and the way he game planned that, they don't win that game. And the way he designed the offense to run away and go away from Troy Anderson. Troy Anderson had 10 tackles in the uh, national championship game. I bet you every single one of them was six yards downfield. So I know NDSU fans give Tyler Rail a lot of crap. I went the other way and nominated him for postseason coach of the year. And my nomination was vegan Montana state's first year head coach really because of some of the adversity he had to face, right? The week before going into the playoffs quarterback leaves, right? That's never what you want to hear. Your starting quarterback decides to enter the transfer reporter because maybe something was uh, not going as right in the locker room. So maybe you're thinking there's a little bit of locker room issues. But then also, they have Sam Houston State in their side of the bracket, who was the number one team of the year. Um, In the spring season, they beat James Madison, North Dakota State, South Dakota State to win the championship. One of the more difficult brackets that they've had. Not many people, if any, were really giving Montana State a true legitimate chance to beat Sam Houston State. I was at the game. They just dominated. Then they go and play South Dakota State. They just absolutely dominated. So for a first-year coach to go all the way to the national championship when you had to travel you know, to the number one overall seed, that was my nomination. But let's see who won. The postseason coach of the year was North Dakota State's offensive coordinator, Tyler Roy. And it's for everything Jamie just said. I mean, you 
what we said right before the championship game and you know when there's three weeks to prep what's the harder team to prep for this true stud in touchdown tommy who's able to do whatever he wanted or the offense where you have no clue what they're gonna do and that's what montana state had to try and prep for the fullback who absolutely torched them because they had no clue what North Dakota state was going to do. And that's, you know, you got to give credit to where credit's due. He had a perfect game plan for this Montana state team. They absolutely bullied them. Yeah. NDSU's offensive coordinator. You are the postseason coach of the year. It's crazy. It did not go to a head coach, but I think all three of us are in agreement. This was a very deserving award. And eventually he's going to be an FCS head coach somewhere real soon. Yeah. Tyler roll deserves it. And, um, I gave him so much hate compared to other coordinators in the past. We weren't fans of it. NDSU um, Tyler, you should unblock me and some of my friends. on Twitter. <laughs> we, we still like you, man. We still like you. So if that doesn't speak to it, like literally myself and many others, uh, coach roll blocked us because we were, we were jerks. We were jerks to him. Honestly, he knew what he had. Us fans knew nothing. We were idiots. We were morons. And that was so evident when like the 49ers started running that, pass back sweep a gap power stuff and i was like ndsu does that and the nfl network was like this is so unique and i'm like oh boy tyler roll's been doing that for a while maybe i'm an idiot so uh good job coach roll you're well deserved hell of a game plan sorry for ever doubting you you don't need to unblock me man it's well deserved so uh good pick jamie love it so so let's continue to fly through here um we only have probably you know this is going to be a little bit longer than an hour episode hopefully none of you guys mind too much uh, but we'll fly through the next. The postseason defensive most valuable player award. So this is going to go to the defensive player who had the most impact that we all thought um, across the board in this FCS postseason. Now, this could have been the Celebration Bowl. This could have been the playoffs. Of course, playoffs, you do get a few more games to kind of prove them, prove yourself than the Celebration Bowl. So all of us kind of lean towards that aspect of it. But what was... The postseason defensive MVP, like what did you guys think about when you were nominating this player? Because this, I think, was across the board. All three of us picked the same one or pretty close to it. What what was one of your guys' criteria? Let's not name who won, but what was a criteria that you guys put into this? You know, and anytime when you make the categories, Kyler, of MVP, most valuable player, I, I don't, stats matter, but they're not the main thing for me. It's like the value of the player contributing to their position that impacts the game and the result. Um, and not that's not, of course, statistics matter. Like you can't just blank. But uh, what you're doing at the end of it to get a result, uh, how much value are you bringing to the field in other areas besides just a tackle, a pass, a touchdown? That's kind of how I think of valuable players. So, when I went through my guys, which I had a few of them, um, that's kind of how I thought about it. I'll toss it to Jamie, but that's that's my definitions of MVPs more than like offensive or defensive best player. Yeah, I, I just kind of was looking for somebody who stood out week after week after week in the playoffs, who was yeah maybe not carrying their team, but leading their team. And I, I think we came up with the right guy here, Kyler. Perfect. So let me just announce who the winner is, and then I will have one of you talk about this gentleman because he's, he's definitely – deserving of some words so the postseason defensive um, mvp goes to north dakota state's dawson weber uh matt do you want to kind of take this over do you want to talk about why who is this guy and why is he so important because when you look at his recruiting uh you know picture he's just this little scrawny kid 
a little safety. He doesn't know what he's doing, but he is an absolute nightmare for the offenses to try and actually game plan against. What makes him so deserving of this award, Matt? Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, his mental game, I mean, obviously he's really physically talented, but NDSU's probably most underrated positions through their run has been the safeties. Like the safeties, they're, they're generals out on the field. They play so well. They cover the back end. The reason I selected Dawson, I'm glad he was the winner here, was because, um, you know, in the regular season, I think the big narrative with NDSU, if there was a way to get over what was one of their best defenses of all time, was that you could take the deep ball. Like, because we saw that in the regular season, the deep ball against the UNI, Missouri State, they got some really big touchdown catches. And the longest pass allowed by NDSU in the secondary through the playoff run um for this is in order of the games was 44 next game was 13 then 22 yards and then 30 yards like the deep pass just disappeared and dawson weber came up with two interceptions to prevent any of those deep passes from happening also had 12 tackles and one being for a loss all the way back to the safety position so in terms of value in my opinion it was just like that senior safety like really molded the back end of that secondary to you know make sure that that deep pass disappeared so that's kind of where i went from it and that took away Cole Johnson, who is one of the best deep throwers and best quarterbacks out there in the FCS. And um, obviously, we, we, we would have seen what happened with Tommy touchdown, but it was just an impressive effort. So I, I wanted a guy to get some recognition for making a difference. No, hell, hell of a pick. He definitely deserves it. He was a dude this postseason. So congratulations for the postseason defensive MVP award from the FCS fans nation Dundies. Now, we are going to go postseason offensive MVP. Now, we're going to do this a little different because all of us pick different dudes. We're not going to announce the winner right now. Now, I'm going to assign each one of you your guy and why they deserve this award. So we're each going to have just a quick 30-minute or 30-second, not 30-minute segment. That's going to be way too long. 30-second segment on why this guy deserved it. So for one, Jamie. Who was your guy, and why do you think he deserved the MVP for the postseason for um, offense? My my vote was for Hunter Lipke, North Dakota State. I don't know why I keep voting for those morons, those but jerks. I did. And uh, but <laughs> it's he because you it. wore I the mean, shirt in the bar, Jamie. Could be yeah. worse. You could have a Grizz tattoo. I know. Well, <laughs> you're an idiot. So, <laughs> uh, but back to the question at hand, uh, Hunter Lipke, just the way he was utilized, especially in the last two games against James Madison and against. Um, Montana State, just, I mean, without him, they don't beat JMU. I mean, yeah. he had the, the two big catches, a couple of good touchdown runs. And right in front of us in the national championship game, he could have just strode into the end zone, but he chose pain and ran over the DB, and that was enjoyable. So <laughs> I had to go with Hunter. Especially because it was right in front of us, which even made it better. Uh, all right, so my pick was touchdown Tommy. Right. This kid, I mean, you could have probably voted for him for freshman of the year, newcomer of the year, postseason offensive MVP. What he was able to do in the games, he did not get injured because he got injured the very first drive of NDSU, but he drove down the field too, which was pretty impressive. He absolutely dominated. And the difference about this kid was when you shut down the pass, he will get 200 yards on the ground and four touchdowns. When you can't contain him, he's throwing to his dude and he's getting 200 yards in the air and four touchdowns. This kid was an absolute beast, and I honestly don't think we've seen a postseason dominance of this level from a freshman ever. I mean, even Trey Lance. Okay, 
is going to be a weird, a really bad comparison because I'm not saying touchdown Tommy is Trey Lance could be in the NFL after a freshman year. But in terms of pure dominance for what this player did, he was doing more than Trey Lance by far in his run. Um, again, you can kind of say, well, Trey Lance had a much better team. He didn't have to do as much, right? Because that's accurate. Touchdown Tommy put the ball in his hands and he dominated every single game, every single play he was in, every drive he was in, beat Sam Houston State, beat South Dakota State, uh, ran all over the ball when there was 50-mile-an-hour wins in his first game. It was pretty impressive to watch. He was my nomination for offensive MVP of the postseason. Now, Matthew Frazee, you're throwing a little bit of curveball. Who was your guy, and why are you voting for him? Again, I'm I'm going for the value, and I mean, obviously, all these guys are valuable. They're great. Your guys' picks are awesome. But Kyler, I'm going to build off of you, man. I took, I picked Lance McCutcheon, the senior wide receiver out of Montana State, and here's why: I dug into him quite a bit through the playoffs. In three playoff games, he had 209 receiving yards yeah. and two touchdowns. Um, in the playoffs, Tommy touchdown threw for 449 yards and four touchdowns. Now, I'm not a math major, but I'm pretty sure that's worth 50% of Tommy Touchdown's passing statistics. Um, and then as a Bison fan, I heard all the hype of Tommy Touchdown. You guys know this. I sent you the message. I wrote down on a sticky note and watched on YouTube every pass Tommy Touchdown made. Because I was like, how good is this? Are they just screen balls? And obviously they were great. But a lot of those balls were 50-50 throw-ups that Lance came down with. Like, his catches were very impressive. And without Tommy touchdown, Lance had five catches, 106 yards, and a touchdown. So, uh, to me, I just feel like I don't know how much Tommy touchdown could have done in the passing game without that big stud receiver. Really talented roster. So, I think Lance McCutcheon, he was more valuable to Tommy than most folks on the roster. Well, let's see who won the award. So the postseason offensive MVP goes to Montana State's Lance McCutcheon. Attaboy, and Lance. for everything Matt said, I mean, this guy had a breakout year, if you will say. He wasn't on anyone's radar, and he had a dominant year for Montana State. Led them to the national title game. Hell of a year, hell of an award. I mean, over the last few years, you can see he's put in the work and it's paid off. So Lance McCutcheon, you are our postseason MVP. Now we only have a few more, so we're going to get through these next two very quick. I'm going to show you this because this is going to be a fun one and we're live Ooh. picks. We didn't think this one through. So this is called the Sam Herder Hates My Team Award. Now this, what I want to do for this one, and I'll, like I said, I'll explain it a little bit the most hated team of the year for each one of us, and we cannot pick our rivals. So any team that you just have hate for, like, you know, the Richmond Spiders for Jamie Williams, the South Dakota State or North Dakota um, teams for for um, little Matthew Frazee over there, and then for me, I'm not going to pick the Montana teams, even though they had shit all over my leg. Um, so... What is each one of yours most hated team? And give me a reason. And maybe it's not a team you've hated for a long time, but just for some reason this year, you just disliked them. What? Let's, let's go across the board. Jamie, let's start with you. What's a team for some reason this year you just had a root against? You know what? I'm not going to even pretend like it's it's hard. And I get lot, enough hate on it from a couple of people on Twitter. So I'm going to stick with it and go all the way and say Montana's. 
Why? Oh, the Grizz. Because that's the Kyler's Dallas favorite Cowboys. team. You're going to do that to them right on the pod? Well, they're the Dallas Cowboys of the FCS. I mean, their games, are, oh. their good games are on the History Channel because they haven't been great. But you ask them, you know, they're going to win a title every year. And it was so nice to sit in those stands and watch us just plant them and send their ass back home. So Kyler can't say it, but I will. See you, Montana. All right, I appreciate that, Jamie. Way to have my back. Uh, Matthew Frazee, what's the team this year you just, for some reason, just couldn't get behind? You You rooted against them every time they played. Cal, you know, it's, it's not like I was rooting against them. It was just, I just, I knew exactly what was going to happen with Sacramento State. So, like, I'm like, okay, their schedule and who they're playing and it's going to be so obvious what's about to happen. They're going to run into some team that's not seated that's better than them. So I was just like, could they just not be involved? Would that be okay? And uh, I hope they ter- turn their narrative around, man, in the future. But as Sacramento State got closer and closer to likely being a seed as we did like the mock playoff stuff, I was just like, ah, crap. Here's this team that's going to go in and be a disappointment because I defend the committee. I defend the committee. I think they do a good job but sometimes they're bound by like results and other things. So I just hate that Sacramento state makes them look bad. So until they figure it out, there you go. Sacramento state and your weird schedule. Uh, yeah, there you go. Most hated team of the year for me. Perfect. And mine, I'm just going to do it. I rooted against this team every single game, mainly to prove a point. I have no beef with this team. But Sam Herter has made me have beef with this team for the last 10 years when him and Brian McLaughlin would continue to put them on a pedestal. Furman, you ain't crap. Oh, Furman, you proved me right. In the beginning of the year, I had this giant rant on why is this team continuing to be ranked in the top 10, continuing to be ranked in the top 20 when they don't win crap. And guess what, Furman? You made me a believer. You made me a believer in my own thoughts. And that is hard to do because sometimes after I say something, because I don't know what I say half the time until I say it. Sometimes I, I go back and go, ooh, that was a bad take. This one was a great take. Thank you so much, Furman. You're trash. Go away, SoCon. You're not good. Matthew Frazee. <laughs> uh, so that, that's... You should have said Brian, <laughs> Sam, and Matt for people who love no, Furman. No, <laughs> you only got behind them because of the hero sports recruiting classes of Furman. So I'm not going to throw you down on that level yet. That is true on how I do things. I listen you're to other folks and claim it was me. You're just a reader. They're a writer. But that's it for the Sam Herder Hates My Team Award. So um, we'll have some some really fun ones next year. This is all just a whim. Now, this is um, the FCS Fans Nation page member of the year. I want all three of us to nominate a specific guy, give a quick 10-second reasoning why you are nominating this page member and... Yeah, just let's give a little shout out to a few of our page members. Okay, guys, this one to me is so easy. This may be an unsung hero because this individual does not engage much. Like you're not going to see comments or repeats or like just, you know, back and forth. Michael D. McCauley, which you probably are recognizing the name now. Pretty sure he's an officer in the Army or was at least with the Army Guard. Um, This guy posts so many articles news tweets when there's something new at the fcs it doesn't matter if it's ivy league hbcu any sort of cool story michael is like on our page boom dropping the news so he loves to post the articles he loves to get the information out there he's not gonna like engage much from what i can see in the comments but michael dude 
in terms of like, if you were to go pure statistics on the FCS fans nation page, you would have to be like, it, it only goes up because you post so many things, you know? So uh, shout out to Michael. He's my FCS fans nation page member of the year and has been for many years. So I hope he sticks around and keeps on posting. So awesome. there you go, Michael. Jamie, you want to take this or do you want me to take this? Go ahead. I'll go last. Cause I got two. So if you choose one of mine, I have a backup. Do you have two as well? I got at least two. All right, my man. So I'm going to go with Amos. Amos from North Carolina A&T. I love this guy. He is such a positive dude. Him and I will go back and forth a little bit, but he's so reasonable at the same time. But, um, yeah, I would say he's he's one of our our best page members on the page. Also, if you want to support this guy, he's doing some cool things in his personal life um, with businesses and stuff like that. You got to give credit to some guy who's this busy but we'll still root for his Aggies and continue up, down, positive. He's got faith that they are going to go undefeated no matter what. Um, I love I love that guy. So that is my FCS Fans Nation page member of the year. That's my nomination. And, yeah, go interact with him. He's, he's such a cool dude to interact with. Uh, Jamie, who's your guy? Yeah, it, this was a tough one just because we have so many great page members. And I could just start naming names, but then we'd be at two hours. Yeah. And I was going to change and go back and forth, but I think I'm going to go back. And I'm going to go with our man from the Salukis, Mr. Jeremiah Rash. Mm. Nothing ever, never has a negative thing to say about anybody. Love that dude. And he is just a great guy. Um, hope someday we, maybe we can meet him in person. Uh, got a tough job. He's a lineman um, for you know, the power company. So, you know, that's a tough job. So support those folks. But, you know. And I don't want to, I don't denigrate anybody else. I'm not putting anybody else down by picking Jeremiah because I could, like I said, I could pick 20 or 30 people and we could just go on and on. But I'm going to go with Jeremiah. The next one, this is all the regular season main awards. So we just have a few of them. I believe there's four of them total. But the regular season coach of the year, I don't remember. Did we vote for this all on the, across the board, the same dude? Um, I think two of us at least had him. Okay. Matthew Frazee. What was some of your nominations? Don't talk about the winner unless you only did nominate the winner. Then just go, Kyler. I nominated the winner. Let's just reveal who it was and we'll talk about him. Yeah. Um, again, like I'm a guy who takes the opposite perspective. So you're not going to see a lot of like ramp ups from unknown players. I, I tend to lean towards coaches who maybe have the expectations or are trying to maintain some sort of standard. And so Matt Entz was, of course, a guy who was on my radar. Casey Keeler. Uh, Keeler was honestly for Sam Houston. How I didn't much, vote for him. How much hate and all of this. And obviously all the roster came back. But there was a game as well where they lost their starting quarterback. The game was closer, but they still pulled it off versus a very quality opponent. So I kind of thought about those style of coaches. Um, again, I like to see a little bit of repetition. Uh, um, Signetti is somebody I was thinking about as well with James Madison, kind of on a little bit of a revenge tour. So, yeah, I was thinking about those top tier guys and how I would take them apart in terms of one, two, three. So that's okay. what that was my mindset. Awesome. So what I'm going to do now I'm going to reveal who is the winner, and then I want Jamie to talk about why he and I voted for this dude. Is that fair? Regular season coach of the year winner for the FCS Dundays, Eastern Tennessee State's Randy Sanders. So now, like I said, I'm going to share 
because this is why Jamie and I voted for him, and then Jamie will be able to talk more in detail. But here is basically the 2019 season from Eastern Tennessee State versus 2021. I'm not counting spring in there because spring was so weird, but you look at a 3-9 and nine season, 1-7 one, one and seven in the SoCon, all the way to what did he do? 11 and two overall seven and one in the SoCon. I mean, he, he won a playoff game. Then he had to play the absolute terror. That is North Dakota state. Hell of a year for this coach. No one expected this from Eastern Tennessee state. That's at least the reason why I decided to vote for him. Huge turnaround. No one expected this. He went further than a lot of other coaches in the league and didn't have any type of promise that he was going to do this. Jamie Williams, why did you vote for Randy Sanders? I mean, and this is why he he built that program because you can see in 2019 that was his second season, so he's starting to get his guys and finally his guys um, go 11 and two. Uh, they had a great year. They one of the best, most dynamic running back duos in the FCS, if not the most dynamic. I know South Dakota State will argue with me, and that's that's a fair argument. Um, but with, with Sailors and um, Quay Holmes and a young Tyler Rydell. They've got some solid receivers, solid tight end, a good defense. So he really built that program. And I'm even more glad that we went this way because he did announce his retirement. So um, off into the sunset as coach of the year, not a bad not a bad place to go. Yeah, and honestly, your guys' pick is, is totally legitimate. And I love, Jamie, your point in terms of like he built that program to that point. You know what I mean? So that's a, a legitimate reason. He's a great guy. And hey, he always he mentioned his family and his grandkids and stuff. So dude, enjoy retirement. You made a man. No point of sticking to the grind. Uh, congratulations, Coach. He well deserved. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Now the next three, here's what we are gonna do. I got videos on all three of them. What we're gonna do is announce what the category was. We are gonna start playing the winner's video. And we are just going to talk about why we all voted for these because the next three were pretty unanimous across the board. Or at least we, even if we didn't vote for it, we all agreed they definitely deserve to be there. So regular season defensive player of the year. The winner is Montana State's Troy Anderson. And I am going to play this video while you guys chat about why this dude is so deserving of the award. So when you see this video playing, it's just a little bit of a highlight. You can see he was a quarterback, a running back, and a linebacker throughout his career at Montana State. But why was he the defensive player of the year, or at least worthy of it in your guys' eyes? Yeah, when you look at Troy Anderson, one of the beautiful things about him this year, and you know, he wasn't my he was my second pick, but you know, I was like, this guy probably is the one who's gonna win is that he finally got to play pure position at the defensive side of the ball. He was usually playing offense and defense the past couple of years to include quarterback, running back, all these crazy stuff. When you just lined him up at linebacker, he had such an impact. And South Dakota State fans would talk about, um, man, we just couldn't get by Troy Anderson. He just held the wall down to stop their running game quite a bit. So, um, yeah, Troy Anderson, really good pick, awesome character. And now when you go on PFF Mock Draft Simulator 2022, which I do like 17 of them a day because <laughs> I'm addicted, um, Troy Anderson's always there. Once you get into round four or five, he's one of the top guys that should be picked off the board. So he really locked down that defense for Montana State, which was one of their strengths. So well-deserved uh, for Troy Anderson. You guys made a great selection there. And Jamie, you can expand on that even more. I know you voted for the for the great young man. Yeah, I mean, he's just he's a sideline to sideline linebacker. He, he all over the field, three downs, four downs, 
You know, he doesn't come off the field. Um, didn't have the best game in the national championship game, but who did for that team? Um, but other than that, you know, I mean, watch him just fill gaps and just just oh. pursue. I mean, that's one of the top running backs in the league. He took him one-on-one. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the video speaks for itself, but this is a really uh, solid, well-deserved uh, response here. Yeah, I mean, uh, unfortunately, the first half of that highlight, because I didn't even realize it was all of his offensive stuff throughout his career. But then the second half is all about what he was able to do defensively. This play right there is probably the defining play. It may not look like much, but because Pierre Strong was such a dominant running back in the FCS, and the fact that he took him on one-on-one on a third and one, or was that fourth and one type of play where you needed to get there, Troy Anderson, he can do everything. He is a dominant, dominant player in the defensive. He can run the ball. He can throw the ball. This is a true football player across the board. And that's why we decided to, you know, vote for him for the full season defensive player of the year. And I think it is very awarding. Um, Do you guys have any other things you want to chat about, about this young, fine gentleman? Or are we good? Just that... That tackle he did to Strong, NDSU had four years to do that to Pierre Strong and never did. And Troy Anderson did it once. So uh, good enough for me. (laughs) Give it to him. Awesome. Now this guy, um, regular season offensive player of the year. You're thinking this award could go down to maybe two to three different players. Well, let me just start playing the video. The award goes to, that was the wrong one. We already talked about Troy Anderson. The award goes to, Southeastern Louisiana's Cole Kelly. And you're going to see the reason why once we play this screen in two seconds. Okay, look at that. First and pass. First in passing yards game. Fourth in touchdown. Uh, first in points responsible for. But he was also number one in total touchdowns. Not just passing. I mean, he was able to do whatever he wanted across the board. Cole Kelly, he is a big six seven quarterback out of Southeastern Louisiana. Not a lot of defense in the um, Southland Conference this year, but what a stud and hell of a season. What did he have, 60 total touchdowns or something crazy like that? Are they going to show any of the highlights from JMU in this package? or No. Oh, that's okay. that's okay. not – everyone gets one bad game. One bad game. One when you actually ones. play somebody. Okay. Hey, <laughs> you know what? You still can't deny the fact that he put up 60 all-around touchdowns this year or something crazy. Yeah, 60 total, and Cole Kelly, the reason I kind of gave him the edge, it was between him and, uh, I was thinking, EB3 maybe from Eastern Washington and a few other guys, but 16 rushing touchdowns really what popped off for me. You know, you had these passing touchdowns between him and a few other guys, um, but third and passing touchdowns at 44, that's only three behind Cameron Ward and only two behind Eric Berrier, so he was third total in the FCS, but add 16 rushing touchdowns, which is, way more than Ward and Eric Berrier. Uh, That kind of gives him that dual dynamic. And he was number one in the FCS for points responsible for. He had 54 points higher than Eric Berrier III for like being responsible for the points physically on the team. So um, top five in rushing in the FCS for touchdowns. I mean, at a quarterback position and then all those passing TDs, he's an offensive weapon. He's got some NFL draft capabilities in terms of maybe like a late sixth, seventh round guy. Hell of a career, and congratulations to him. And Glad he got the win. He's, he's extremely extremely accurate, too. I mean, he's up around 70%. Yeah. Um, and it, it's an effortless kind of throw. And honestly, if you want to call him, you know, do an NFL comp, tell me he's not a poor man's Josh Allen. I would love to have him, you know, the Bills draft him and 
develop him a little, little bit. He's got similar size and skill set. Um, he's not, he doesn't have the arm that Josh does to just bullet it, but he's accurate. He's big. He's strong. He can run. He, you know, he can beat you in multiple ways. You know, I was joking earlier about showing the JMU game because I was there and he wasn't great, but like you said, everybody gets one. Yeah, I think he's a perfect comp for him. Is like not to get the draft talk is like a Paxton Lynch, but he has the mental love for the game. I mean, that was Paxton Lynch's issue. He had everything in the world: big size, big arm, big everything. But you know, his mental state wasn't there. Cole Kelly loves the game of football, so congratulations to him. Um, well deserved. Well deserved. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I want to add is just I hope this guy makes it to the NFL. You know, we all bash people every now and then and a lot of the times it's just jokes or whatever or maybe sometimes it is a little bit of a a true segment on what we're feeling but there's no doubt this guy had probably the best two years of of a career in really fcs quarterback history his final two years they're up there with the greats i mean you he could have easily won the walter payton this year i mean yes it went to my my dude um, who maybe we will or will not talk about on the next word. We will find out. Maybe I just gave it away. But you can't take anything away from Cole Kelly and what he's able to, what he was able to do the last two seasons in this year. I mean, absolute stud. He's big. He is going to make an NFL team. I mean, I, I think if he's not drafted, someone is going to sign him no matter what. He's going to be on an NFL roster next year. Uh, Jamie Williams. Yeah, just one more thing that I wanted to kind of pull back the curtain on because nobody saw this if you weren't at the game. Um, I was at the game, obviously, where they lost to uh, my team, JMU, and it wasn't a close game. But after the game, Cole Kelly stood out on the field as everybody was coming back off the field and hugged every one of his teammates. He was the last guy off the field. Truly. Um, true leader, just like Matt said, loves a game of football. And I, I couldn't let this go by without mentioning that. After, you know, you know he was dejected. It was his last game. He really wanted to win. He didn't have a great game. But he was out there hugging the other seniors and, and the other the rest of the team and, you know, had a moment with Cole Johnson. And it was just it was good to see that kind of sportsmanship and just love for his teammates. Yeah. Go, if you want to see if you want to see him further, tune in tomorrow on NFL Network as he is one of 15 quarterbacks attending the NFL Combine. So um, when people see a six foot six and a half, 200 plus pounder quarterback with his type of arm. It may not be till the fifth, sixth, seventh round, but he'll end up getting drafted. Yeah, he's got size. He's got the stats to make up for it. And like Jamie said earlier, 70% completion. I don't care what level you're at. When you're 6'7", 260 plus, and you're throwing 70% and you have 60 touchdowns in a season, you're going to get picked up by an NFL team. I don't care. So we're all rooting for you with FCS Fans Nation. Congrats on a hell of a season, hell of a career, Cole Kelly. Now... The final award, the FCS Fans Nation Dundee's regular season MVP. Now, I think we already know where this is going to go. None of you guys, none of you guys had a vote because this was my podcast idea. It did not matter what you guys (laughs) voted for. This guy was always going to win no matter what. I'm just going to show some of his video from this year only. And we're going to chat about him. Now, I will let Matt Frazee go first. Then we'll go with Jamie Williams. And then maybe I'll end it. And I'll let you guys talk about why I'm right. But the FCS Fans Nation Dundee regular season MVP 
goes to Eastern Washington's Eric Barrier. EB3, if you will. Let's let's pull up some of his highlights. Let's just look at it a little bit. Look at that. 5,000 yards, 65% completion, 46 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, a few more rushing. But let's look at some of his playmaking ability while you guys talk him up. Matthew Frazee, go for it. Yeah, the thing with EB3 is just that most valuable player, um, as, as you know, we've seen some injuries with Eastern Washington. We saw their spring season with their offensive line that had some struggles. They obviously improved in the fall. But really, EB3, in terms of his true mobility from the pocket, is what makes that offense run. And it's a hard argument to make from fans because fans will just say, well, Eastern always has a good quarterback. Yeah, that's true. But I don't know how many times people don't realize how perfect EB3 was throwing these balls combined with he was so far outside of the pocket or he was so far back in terms of steps back, left, right, and still able to make the play. That can cover up a lot of deficiencies if you're lacking a running game, if you have some offensive line injuries. So uh, EB3 especially, you know, he put the scare into the Mon Montana Grizz when they actually went against them in the playoffs, obviously doing really well against them in the regular season. So I think EB3 is an outstanding pick. It was kind of a, for him. It was him, Cameron Ward, and like Cole Kelly. Obviously, quarterbacks are important in the game, so that was where I was thinking of, but Honestly, man, with the you being able to select him, it's not a biased thing. He's a hell of a player. Congrats to EV3. Heck of a career. So, well done. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I went, I voted for Cole Johnson because I was being a homer, but that doesn't mean that this isn't the right pick because it is. And I did vote for Eric, number one, for the uh, Peyton Award, which basically is the Heisman, which is, you can call that the MVP if you want. But he makes the plays. He can make any play. He can make any throw. He's got he can extend plays with his legs. I haven't shown that a lot in here because he hasn't needed to because it's like northern Colorado. But sorry, Ben. Um, I wish that the package would have that one where he just scrambled around for about 15 seconds and then took off running. Um, he's always had, you know, he's had good receivers, but he's got to get them the ball. And Eric's a great quarterback. I hope he finds some success uh, after his EW days are now over. So, uh, yeah, go ahead, Kyler. Wrap him up. Yeah, the main reason why I picked this this dude over Cole Kelly or any of the other quarterbacks who had crazy stats, right? Because Cameron Ward, crazy stats. Cole Johnson, crazy stats. Cole Kelly, crazy stats. Eric Berrier, crazy stats for quarterbacks. The biggest difference was Eric Berrier by far played against more top-tier passing defenses than any other quarterback who had the stats that the top-tier quarterbacks had this year. So he played against five top 25 passing offense or passing defenses. I mean, I think um, Cole Kelly played against one. Cole Johnson played against North Dakota State. That's about it. Maybe Villanova. And then um, Cameron Ward, I don't think, played against any. So when you're looking at it, I mean, Eric Berry had the toughest road against the defenses he played, and he still was phenomenal with over 40 touchdowns, only eight interceptions. I mean, this game is crazy. You see his arm strength for a little guy. He's not a big quarterback. You know, when we're talking about Cole Kelly being 6'7", 260, Eric Berrier is what, 6'1", 6 6 foot, uh, 210, 215. But he's got a bigger arm than I would say almost everyone else in this division right now. Um, he can toss it 60 yards just like a flick of the wrist like that. That was nothing. Um, of course, he had great receivers to kind of bail him out on a couple of the 50-50 throws. But that's also one of the beautiful things about him. He gave the opportunity for the wide receiver to make a play. And like Matt said, his scrambling ability right here, it, it's second to none. 
Um, he got face masked, still threw a touchdown. It does not matter. He was very hard to contain. Um, so that is my player of the year, the FCS MVP. It's Eric Berrier. He could do it all, and he played against the best defenses from quarterbacks who were basically had elite type of stats. Um, any other things you guys want to add, or is that pretty much it? That's it. No, well-deserved heck of a career. Tons of fun. So, everyone, that was our new annual 2021 FCS Fans Nation Dundee's Award for really the 2021 season. My champagne is gone. I popped this bottle. There's about half left. My wife wants a few glasses herself, so we've got to come off. Jamie, it's almost midnight, so I know you are ready to hit the bed. Um, anything else you guys want to add, or is that it? Let's go. Nope. Ready for fall already. Yeah, thanks for putting this together, Kyler, man. This it was, was Kyler's baby. It was his idea. And uh, we obviously are big fans of The Office. So, you know, Dundies are kind of like a kid's birthday party. You go there, and there's not much for you to do there. But uh, the kid's having a really good time. So that's kind of what it's like, just to drop awesome. an Oscar quote there at the end. No, Loved thanks, it. dude. This was fun. This was cool. Yeah, so so thank you guys, listeners. Uh, if you want to like, subscribe, all of that jazz, that would be awesome. Um, you guys can find us on the FCS Fans Nation Network on YouTube. I mean, that is the... That is our new baby. We are trying to grow that more than just the podcast scene. Also, because it's not just us. We have other great podcasts like an SDSU podcast, Eastern Washington podcast, a WAC podcast. We're doing a new Big Sky and actually the North podcast. It's about the Missouri Valley and Big Sky, and maybe we'll include Maine. Who knows? But there's so many good podcasts around there, the A-Sun podcast. And we just want to continue to grow the brand so you guys can see every single podcast that represents the fcs we're going to try and grab a few more as well um but yeah thank you guys so much for listening please rate subscribe and other than that matt will you do the honors and say the last four letter word that we always like to say oh fcs fans nation look forward to the offseason content can't wait till the fall thanks for joining us for the fcs dundies boom thank you for listening to the fcs fans nation podcast Make sure to like and subscribe to this podcast on your preferred listening platform, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Google, or even YouTube. And make sure to follow our FCS Fans Nation social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for listening to the premier podcast for FCS football. Boom. Give me one quick second. My laptop's about to die. I need to go grab the charger. And then we only have four more and we'll make it quick. Okay. That's definitely going to be a live end of the TV episode. for you. Um, that's, that's definitely the end. That's yeah. 100% the end of the episode. <laughs>